0: Lost car keys. Actually, I lost the church van keys, and I was at camp, and I was two hours away from home with a bunch of kids, and we we're soon going to be going home. I don't even know if another set of keys existed. Um, I was I was cleaning out my little room, and I, I threw everything away, and I went and I threw it in the dumpster. And then later on, I started looking for my keys. I thought, man, where in the world can my keys be? So I started looking through the van, because usually I just stuck them in the console. I started looking through my bags, through my closed through everything. And I started to panic. I started to be scared. I started to be frustrated and, and upset. I didn't know. So I thought the only place they could be is in that dumpster. Anybody ever heard this story before? Good. OK. So I went to this dumpster. It's a camp-sized, big, honking dumpster. And I started looking for my garbage. And I started pulling out all the garbage. I climbed in the dumpster. And I started throwing everything out. And guess what I finally found? My keys. Guess how I felt about that? I was elated. I was excited. I ran around telling every single person, guess what I got? I found my keys. Guess where I found them? In the dumpster. Right? It doesn't matter where I found them, but I found them because I was so excited that I had found something that I lost. You guys pretty much understood uh, and heard the message today about how excited the angels get and how excited Jesus get when one sinner repents who is lost Uh, Not because Jesus doesn't know where they're at, but because they did what they needed to do and became part of God's family. The angels were excited. You guys, I'm sure, have been excited about losing something, just like I was excited about losing my keys and then finally finding them. So, that's the gist of the message. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10 is where we are going to be as we do this. I'll start with the first couple of verses. It's going to be the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coins. I'm sure those are very familiar. That's okay. Uh, Just make sure you hang on and and follow along the scripture if you can and and just see if, if there's something else that God wants you to teach out of these parables. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him, meaning Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So all of a sudden, or right off the bat here, we have two different groups of people. We have the very self-righteous Pharisees and teachers of the law, and we have the very obvious, the sinners, the tax collectors, uh, and the the people who obviously did not keep the law. Now the tax collectors, as I'm sure you have probably have heard before, uh, were not liked by really anybody. Uh, They were Jews, and they were collecting taxes for the Roman government. The Roman government was overseeing the Jews. The Jews didn't really like that. And so they're kind of like enemies. Now, how, how would you feel if you had uh, your, your family or the people here, we're collecting taxes from you to give to the enemy? Would anybody like that? No, because we don't like the enemy. We, don't, we would like to keep our money. I know when we pay taxes here, we don't even like to do that, even though it goes for our roads, it goes for our schools, it goes for our streets and that kinds of things. Uh, but how much worse if you're going to just give it to the enemy to do what he wants with it? But then it makes it even worse was these Jews were able to collect extra. I'm supposed to collect two denarii from each Jewish person, but I'd like three. I'd like to have one more for myself. And I don't like that person, so I'm going to charge that person four denarii. And all of a sudden, he's got more, more money in his hands or in his pockets, and he knows what to do with. He's, just got, he's loaded with money, with all that he doesn't deserve. And so these people were obviously not liked by anybody. You have the tax collectors, and then you have the sinners, those who were obviously bad people by their lifestyle. You didn't have to look real long or pay attention very hard to see that these people obviously were not following the law. They could even be Gentiles, because there were the Jews and the Gentiles, and the Jewish people said, I don't care about the Gentiles. They're supposed to, I've said before, they're supposed to fuel the fires of hell. They're, they're made to go there, so good luck, I don't care. So that you have that, the very unrighteous, un, uh, very obviously sinners, and then you have the, the, this other group of people, those who are self-righteous, who think of themselves as something special. We have the law. We try to obey everything that this is teaching us, all the scriptures, and so we're okay. Now Jesus here, he's going to throw two parables at them. Guess who he's talking to? He's not talking to this group of people who are obviously the sinners. These are the ones who want Jesus. And these are the ones Jesus came to save. In Luke 19.10 it says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus is willing to eat with anybody, talk with anybody, or hang out with anybody who's interested in hearing what he wants to share about the message of salvation. But these Pharisees and the teachers of the law want nothing to do with Jesus. They want nothing to do with this obviously sinful group. But Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And as he's referring to but he's talking to them about the unsaved, this obvious group of people, and how excited heaven is when one sinner, you guys call these people sinners? Heaven gets excited when one of those people uh, decide to become part of God's family because they put their faith in him. I'm going to give you two parables, people. I hope you can pick the, get the picture. It's kind of what Jesus is, is saying to them. So parable number one, the parable of the lost sheep, verses 3 through 7. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable which is a story told to teach a lesson. Everybody can look at that and say, yes, we have sheep here. Yes, we know shepherds. We understand completely what you're trying to share with us. So says, suppose if you has a 100 sheep and loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it up on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that picture. Uh, you have the shepherd, and there's 99 sheep that are left to themselves while, G- while this shepherd goes and finds this lost sheep. Now, I, I think of 99 out of 100. That's 99%, right? That's, I'd take that in a heartbeat in school. I didn't get 99 percent. But when it came to sheep out in a field, 99 was not good enough. You you, you had to have 100% of your sheep. Either you had 100 sheep living or you had to have the skin of a sheep that was able to, that got got away somehow and an animal ate it. But you you were responsible for every single sheep. And there's a couple ways to look at this picture. One, did this shepherd leave 99 sheep and go after that one last sheep? Because that could have happened. That's that's what I usually picture. Or did the shepherds work together and they had multiple sheep, multiple herds together and they all kind of watched each other. And so when he left his 99 sheep, there were other people watching while he went to go get his sheep. And so when he got them, he was able to bring them back. You guys see the two options? I think option one. I think there were 99 sheep. He had 100 sheep total. He left 99 in the open field all by themselves. And he went after that one sheep. I think that because there's, it, that's what it says, for one. And there's no mention of anybody else around. So I think he left 99 sheep praying, God, please protect my sheep. I hope they stay here while I go and get that sheep. Because you know, sheep are, are defenseless animals. You know, they're, they're, all it takes is, here comes a lion, here comes a bear, here comes a predator, and the sheep are going to run. And then you might be searching for sheep every which direction. But for right now, there's 99 good sheep, and there's one that has wandered away so he gets his staff right here. I bet you all saw this and wondered what was going to happen with this. He gets his staff, and he goes after his lost sheep. He starts following the tracks, and he sees, yep, there goes this sheep. And he says, okay, guess what? I'm, I'm going to go. And so he starts walking around. But, you know, uh, out in that area, sheep were not the only thing that had to worry about predators. Do you know who else had to worry about predators? Shepherds. I got this little stick, I hope. <laughs> Hope it's good enough to scare off the animals. But if you remember David in the Old Testament, he had to fight off a bear. He had to fight off a lion in order to protect his sheep. And so this, this guy is going out there all by himself. He can't even sacrifice his sheep to get away. He, he takes his staff and he goes. And What I picture is he's, he's walking a long time, and all of a sudden he hears the bleeding of a sheep. Right? Is that what it's called, bleeding? <laughs> I know there's a the right sound to that because Nicole and Leslie have discussed that. But I'm not sure what it is. But I picture him, this sheep is in the bottom of a little ravine and he cannot get out. And so this shepherd, he goes down there and he's got to reach down there and get that sheep around the waist and you know, get him up here as quick as he can before he falls off. And he sets, then he gets down and he starts to check out his lamb. Or he starts, he starts to uh, check out his sheep and he says, okay, there's no little burrs on this, there's no broken legs. Okay, here's my sheep. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to carry it all the way home. And when he gets back, he says, hey, guys, guess what? I got all my sheep finally put in the pen. He's going to run and tell his friends, I found my lost sheep. Now, maybe they knew he had a lost sheep. Maybe they didn't. But all those shepherds are going to understand what a lost sheep means and and how frustrating and how scary it can be to leave, to go get this one little sheep, hoping it's alive. And so they are all going to rejoice because they all have sheep and they all understand what that's like. Now I want you to notice something about the shepherd, verses 5 and 6. When he comes across this sheep, he, when, he, he, when he's going to get it out of that hole, he doesn't like, yeah, I'm going to yank you stupid sheep up here and I'm going to kick you and I'm mad at you. and I'm going to scold you all the way home or put a rope and just drag you all the way home because what do you guys do with your dog, right? Or a cow that gets away. We don't say, oh yeah, come on, good job. I'm glad you're finally coming home. We're mad at you, bad dog. Right, We're mad at that kind of thing, but he says, no. He says I'm just going to brush it off, and I'm happy. I'm going to put it on my shoulders, and I'm going to carry it home because I'm happy. And that's how he treats his sheep. When they get back, they celebrate. So that's the first one. It's just the parable of the lost sheep. Everybody knows it. I think everybody understands. We will look at it a little bit better, uh, the, the meaning of it, in a few minutes. The second one is the parable of the lost coins, verses 8 through 10. It says, suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and and search carefully for it until she finds it? (laughs) And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The first was lost sheep. Now we have lost coins. Just, Just jingling coins. Now... There's two different ways we can look at these lost coins. One was uh, each coin represented about a day's wage. And so we can say this woman has 10 days wages, and if she lost one, that's going to be a big deal because she can't just go out and get another job. She, she, doesn't, she can't just say, you know, it's, it's really not a big loss because it is. I mean, if you only had 10 days worth of wage that you were expecting to live off of or buy groceries with on your budget, you, know, you, you get a certain amount of money, and all of a sudden, one day is missing, that can be a big deal. And so it could be 10 coins that she lost, and so it's, it's important. But I don't think that's it. There's another option which says these were part of a headdress, which I did not make a headdress. But you'd have 10 coins, and she would wear it around her head, and you would think maybe that's just for some beauty thing, just having to just add the way their, their culture was the way they dressed. Uh, but look at it a little bit differently. This was something that was more sentimental. This was something that might be like your wedding ring. Okay? And, and I know not every woman or not every man here wears a wedding ring for various reasons. I know some people take them off because they don't want it ripped off you know, if, uh, when you're working with machinery. And some, people, some women are like, you know, it's just too rough in the kitchen, it's too rough with the cows, whatever. Uh, but I want you to think back to that day when you got married. That day when that handsome guy next to you slid that little ring on your finger and you thought, I am never taking this off. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of this ring. Too bad we can't go back to the good old days. And that's the kind of feeling that she had. This, this was something that meant a lot to her, and it was something that she's wearing. And all of a sudden, at night, I'm picturing, she's ready to take this thing off, and she notices that a coin is missing. Great, what is she supposed to do? What do you guys do when you lose a ring or something valuable to you? You panic, right? I panicked about my ring, or my ring, my, my keys. Uh, we, we start to get a little frantic. We turn on the light. Uh, we we sweep the floor. We vacuum. We'll take the vacuum apart. And we'll look for it. We'll take the sink apart and see if it's in the drain. We'll do whatever it takes. Well, that's exactly what this woman is going to do, except for she can't flip on a light switch. All she has is a lamp, and she... she Cranks that thing up as bright as it will go. She can't get out her broom and start sweeping. She can't get out her vacuum and start seeing. Maybe she can find it. She's got to get it on her hands and knees and look through possibly reeds like grass on her her ground her uh, floor. I think for some cushion. She's got to try to look through all that, or she has dirt. She's got to kind of sweep and kind of with with kind of whatever kind of broom they have and kind of sweep and see if hopefully I'm finding this. Uh, silver coin instead of covering it up even more. Because if you're sweeping dirt, it's moving dirt. It's going to cover up something else. And she's looking for this because it means so much to her. When she finds it, she gets very excited. I just found my wedding ring. I just found something that means so much more to me. I can't contain it. I'm like, Josh, I'm going to run to my friends, and I'm going to tell them, look what I found. And all those women are going to be like, oh, so excited for you. You found your ring. You know what, what, you'd see my dad if you knew my dad. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, very excited that she found her ring and all these women are going to be excited with her because they know how valuable this is and they are going to rejoice together. Now Jesus says that's how it is up in heaven. You guys understand who have sheep, how exciting it is to find your sheep. Women, you understand how exciting it is when you find this lost coins. Heaven gets excited when one person who is lost finally gets found. Now the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law obviously don't get excited. They're just as happy to say we're self-righteous, we're good on our own. Those people can suffer. That's the choices that they make. When ultimately they're the ones who are supposed to be going out there and saying, hey, let's search for the lost. Let's help the lost become found and there will be more rejoicing in heaven. But they just are not willing to do that. You know, in both of these parables, you know, I think there's two of them because Jesus is really trying to drive home the point to these guys, make sure they really understand, is they are the lost sheep. You guys are the lost sheep as well, but you don't realize it. These guys are lost, and they know it. And when they re- re- return when they turn and repent and follow Jesus, the angels are rejoicing. Now, it doesn't say the angels rejoice when people pray a prayer and then keep living life they've always lived. That doesn't make the angels excited. That doesn't make Jesus excited either. But repenting is turning from my sins and saying, okay, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start following Jesus and start living for him. The angels get very excited. And it says that there's, there's more rejoicing over those who get saved than over those who are already part of the fold, in a sense. But, you know, I, I look around here and I bet people here would hear i and say, I'm, I'm the saved sheep. I'm the lost coin. And I would say, yes, that's me too. Angels are still excited for you too. They just get more excited when there's another one that gets brought back into the fold. The angels rejoice, even though man isn't always that same way. Now, what can a a lost sheep do for itself, or what can a lost coin do for itself? You know, a sheep you can hope can blab, bleat, whatever, and and walk his way home, but a sheep is a dumb animal, and it's not, I mean, if it can, maybe it can, but I don't think it has a sense of direction, like, I'm just going to go home. That's why they follow the shepherd or they follow other sheep because they don't know where to go. And what can a coin do? It's not even alive. It just sits there. It just just sits there on the dirt or on the carpet or whatever. It can't scream out and say, hey, pick me up. Here I am. It can do nothing. Both of these are lost that need to be found. They need somebody to go get them. The sheep needs somebody to go get it. The coin needs somebody to pick it up and finally stick it in its pocket or back into the headdress, whatever the case may be. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is like that woman who is searching for the lost coin. And Jesus loves you just like the sheep loved uh, the, shep- or like the shepherd loved the sheep and like the woman appreciated this coin. Jesus loved you the same as he does the tax collector and the sinner. Jesus loves you both just the same amount. Now think back again about uh, this, the shepherd who picked up the sheep and how excited he was. He didn't scold it. He didn't yell at it. He didn't kick it all the way home. He he picked it up, brushed it off, made sure that it was okay, and he was happy, and he put it on his shoulders. And that's exactly how Jesus is going to be with us or with the world out there who needs to know him. When we get saved, he doesn't say, good thing it's about time. I'm tired of, of this lifestyle. I'm tired of this sins." or good thing I did something for you so that you could be saved. He says, good, you finally got it. You're finally home. You're finally found. He puts you on his shoulders, and he's happy, and he walks home because he loves you and he wants you to be part of his family. He didn't scold us. He didn't beat us. He didn't drag us. He didn't wait until we were good enough. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans five eight. But God demonstrates His love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until I was good enough. He didn't wait until I even knew He existed. He didn't wait till I was going to trust Him. He just said, "You know what? These people need a Savior, and I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do whatever it takes for them to have salvation." Before, I even knew that that was even a possibility. You are a sheep. You are a coin. Now, you might be the lost sheep that's still wandering around, or it might be the lost coin sitting in the dirt, but you, you represent those things. And I hope that you can say, I am a sheep who was lost and am found. I am the coin that was lost, that got picked up, and I am I be- right where I belong. If you, haven't done, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're still out there lost Life might be fine, you might not be stuck in a ditch, uh, but you still need Jesus, you still need to be found. And so you need to ask Jesus to save you, because he'll rescue you, he's just waiting for you to do that. And if you say, I am the the found sheep, Josh, I am that found coin, good, I'm glad, because like I say every time, that's where you're supposed to be. But there's a world out there that's lost. There are the lost coins that are sitting in the dirt, there's lost sheep that are running around. And you know what it's like to lose something. And you know how good it is to find it. Remember, that's how Jesus in heaven feels. He feels sad when that world's out there lost. And he feels happy when one more comes home. So I want to encourage you. If you're a lost, you can be found. Jesus is waiting. And if you know someone who's lost, they need to be found. So get out there and share the gospel with them. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for... Uh, Your word, I thank you, God, for the simple parables that you give us that we can understand about being lost and being found and about how much it means to you, God, that you you don't want any of us to go astray. You don't say 99% is good enough, God. Of the people that God gave you, Jesus, to have eternal life, you said, I'm not going to lose any of them. Every single one is going to be part of my family. So, God, I just pray that you would help anybody in here who might still have questions or might still doubt your love or your, their need for a, sa- a savior, please, God, just work on them so that they can't go to sleep tonight until they, they just turn their lives over to you. And God, I pray for uh, the world out there who needs to know you. God, we have neighbors around us, even right now, that we're trying to work with to, to share the gospel. And I know there's kids at school and there's kids out in the work field that need to hear your message of salvation. Please, God, find them. Help us to be the people that you use to share the message with them, and please help them to be found. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.